Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome to episode 27 of the From the Finney podcast with Ollie, Jimmy and me, Jake. In this episode, we're going to talk about Saturday's defeat to Nottingham Forest, the name that unfortunately is on every fan's lips at the moment, and we'll look ahead to Saturday's FA Cup tie against Wickham Wanderers. Enjoy! How are we, fellas? Good, mate, thank you. Yeah, not bad, thank you. Good, good, good. Um, Yeah, just before we crack on, a first reminder of the new year that you can support us here at From the Finney. Just head over to supporter.acast.com forward slash from the Finney and all the money that's received goes towards the running costs of the podcast and the website and it's massively appreciated so yeah let's let's start with Saturday's game yeah I think we can uh, gloss over the first half because it was a complete non-event weren't it really um, pretty much yeah I was just like I was watching I'm thinking we, we were th- we were about 20 yards away from Maguire which didn't help us um you know, second half, once we've got closer to Maguire, because I thought he held it up quite well yesterday. I thought he I did well, to be fair, yeah. Yeah, he, he, he's, he's played back to goal. Like, I think we said this last week, it's it's pretty good at this level. Um, I just think, you know, we, we know that he's lost that yard of pace and he's great in the box when it's in the six-yard area or a second face from a set piece, because that's where his goals have come from. But, yeah, I just think we were just lacking quite a bit in the first half. And, obviously... I think the only shot we've had on target really was about 42nd minute and DJ's been smashed at the same time or landed funny, whichever way you want to look at it. Quite surprised he stayed on, but fair play to him. Um, I thought he did well to see yesterday, to be fair, DJ. I thought yeah, a, lot of our, a lot of our play that was good came through DJ and um, yeah, it was just, I think it, the game only really sparked life in the second half and um, We've created quite a lot of chances yesterday. I know our XG isn't above one, but you know we've hit the bar twice. You know, keepers pull off two good saves. The, the first one off Barkey's header, and then the one at the death and galley. I think the penalty. Well, we'll, we'll come on to the penalty. Yeah, minute, but in it's terms just of, one of them, isn't it? In it, terms but, of the first half to the second half, what changed for you? First half, I think, um, from a tactical point of view, I think we normally press quite high against teams who have the centre-backs quite far apart like Forrest did but I couldn't. I think DJ couldn't tell at times when to trigger the press um, He was. we were sitting in the shape and then he was going to press one of the centre-backs but it was going quite late and it was quite easy to get past it and then they had a 3v2 midfield, wingers were really high <clears throat> um, so you didn't really see anything of Darnell or Hughes in the first half and that dragged Barkey and Potts back um, and then like Jimmy said, Maguire was quite isolated. I think second half, I think we just got it wide a lot quicker and worked from wide areas quite well. Um, and I think I mentioned to, to, I think it was Jimmy or both of you in the group chat, when when the ball was on our left, for example, we're leaving Potts quite high on the other side, close to Maguire, um, playing diagonals and then playing off there so Maguire weren't isolated. And I thought it worked quite well. And their, their penalty actually comes against the run of play because I think we were on top at that time. Um, and we were getting quite high up the pitch. And because Potts and Barkey were quite close to Maguire, getting the full-backs involved higher up, um, 
and getting getting just the team up the pitch, and I thought it worked quite well. I think we had twelve shots in the second half, with eight eight of those were in the box. So you know we've had ample ample chances to put the ball in the net. Um, just finishing Barkey, the slows down, isn't it? Yeah, I think Barky's probably got to score one of his chances yesterday. Ben Davis has done unbelievable for his chance. Very unlucky. Um, but yeah, it it first half was a case of two teams just completely cancelling each other out for me. Second half, I think we opened it up a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I think I still can't make my mind up about the penalty. I think it was soft. I he's been given a bit of a nudge in the back, hasn't he? Mm. That's, that's the thing. He's been given a nudge in the back for me. Mm. I think that, and whilst it's one of those where if it's outside the box, Darnell probably wins a free kick because he's had a bit of a nudge in the back. You know, it's the typical Darnell flop, if that makes sense. Yeah, the Fisher flop, whatever you want to call it. However, because it's he's fallen and the, the refs, the ref view of it isn't great. You know, and this is why I there's body in the way, isn't there? Yeah, but it's not that. It's because of where he's positioned on the edge of the box, and he's literally on the. Uh, it, it just doesn't seem to have a, gr- a great view of the nudge, and then he sees him fall down. He's probably not thought as a foul, mm-hmm. and then I don't get how he can give him ball either because there's only two of their players who've really appealed for it, and it takes an age to give it. And I just think if you're not sure, then you know, give the corner. It's probably better to not give it than give it. Yeah, because he can't have been sure about it, and yeah. whether he's had word from someone that's even further away in terms of the assistant referee on the, the Finney side, I don't know. I just, I just find it bizarre how he's given it. And then... yeah. I, I think he actually, if you look at when the incident occurred, I don't think he can see it. And then he runs round the incident after it's happened. Yeah, It's yeah. just a weird weird one for me. I but seem to remember, I think... I think it was Jonathan Bree said, oh, he gave it quite quickly. And I didn't think he did. I thought no, it took I a didn't. bit of time. And there was, there was probably three or four, maybe five Forest players all appealing. Mm. And, and then he's give it. I think well, it was a bit of a delayed. I think it was a bit of a delayed appeal, though. I think who I can't remember who had the shot, but if you look how narrow we actually were, that's just a little tactical point on our narrowness. But I can't remember who had the shot and appealed, but then then it cottoned on, and four or five a of their players screaming for it. Yeah. Um, but you know, you've got to look at how it got to that situation in the first place. I think they had three or four men at the back post area. It's a bit of a weird phase of play, really. Um, and then, you know, I think if North End appealed as as loudly for the double kick, I think the ref probably has a decision to make. But they kind of run off with the ball. We kind of run back to the halfway line. And then I think Deck appeals. So I think it's a bit late at that point. In fairness, I think early on, I think Deck was the only one really appealing. Mm. I know um, I know. In, in one of the angles of the replay, you can see Ledson just turns around immediately. So he's yeah. obviously not seeing it. And in fact, Bayless, isn't there? Huh? Him and Bayliss are on the arc. Yeah, right on the, the deck. And they've not appealed at all. They've just turned around and got on with it. Mm. So. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, it wasn't like it was glaringly obvious that it was a double touch, but you can still see it. And you can mm. tell from the spin on the ball more than anything. Yeah, exactly. I think... Um, I also think if he doesn't double touch it, I think Deck's going to save it. I was just going to say, I think Paul McKenna it was, and I know he's been criticised by some people for his commentary online, but I think he actually says, he said, if if you look, he looks like he's going Deck's way initially, and then it's the touch that, that makes it more of a central kick as opposed to going to yeah. the keeper's right. I think it's frustrating, isn't it? But I think those kind of things can happen. 
Mm. It weren't like a massively blatant one. There was one a couple of weeks ago, you know, a similar one. I can't remember who it was, but I think it was disallowed. Um, a really blatant double kick. I think it was in the championship, but, you know, people have said VAR would have sorted that out. I would, I'd take those mistakes every day rather than have VAR, personally. Yeah. I think it's just part and parcel of the game. But North End, even without that decision, they had more than enough to win the game or at least draw we, we it. We should have won it. We should have won it. But I mean, people, yeah. you'll hate this, Ollie, but people say like football evens itself out or whatever over a season. Doesn't. Can, you could argue that barring Alan Brown's last minute winner, we would have got just a point from the Derby game. And some people might even argue we didn't deserve to win the game. Yeah, but that weren't because of a refereeing decision. No, I know. But on the flip side... We've lost this. But, like I said, I know you. I know you're not going to like it, but yeah, no I games. Look at it that way. No, that's not how football works. Two no, isolated games. It doesn't even itself out. Like Sheffield United have got two points when they probably should be on 10, 12. You know, they're not going to get thirty points from the next twelve games, or whatever. It doesn't even itself out. Um, Liverpool were the luckiest team in the league last season, and they won the league by miles. Yeah. Um, so for me, football doesn't even itself out like that. Um, Tom Bayliss, obviously his first start for the for the club in the league. Uh, what did you think of his performance? He did well, didn't he? Um, yeah. Moved the ball well. Um, I think he just looks a little bit raw still, but I think it'll come with time. Um, not sure him and Ledson is the best combination. Just because Ledson's not a holding midfielder. If Ledson was doing the role that Bayliss was doing yesterday, I think he'd have seen a lot better performance from, from Ryan Ledson. Um, sort of highlights the need for a holding defensive midfielder for me. But he did yeah, well. I think I think North End have really changed the way they play in the last three or four games for me. I'm um, not sure people have really noticed, but we are just playing sort of a four-four-two block out of possession, quite deep, with two flat midfielders. We're not playing one and then two ahead pressing. Um, I think our PPDA was about ten yesterday. Oh what? Passes per defensive action. Our oh. pressing, our pressing intensity was about ten. So the opposition had ten passes before we regained the ball or fouled or whatever. Um, North End are just sitting quite deeper, quite a bit deeper, inviting crosses. I think in the last couple of games at Deepdale, Coventry and Forest between them have had about fifty crosses. North End wanna invite crosses. Um, got blocks in the middle. Got Ledson and Bayliss sat on top of the centre backs to head it away. Um, so North End have have changed the way they play for me um, because we've not got Pearson sweeping up so you know you can't have two ahead pressing and we've not got Bauer to win the aerials Um, so you know whether we get replacements in or whether it's more a long term change of system Alex Neal has definitely adapted and you know it's one goal class season in four games that was their only shot on target yesterday so you've got got to give him Yeah, you got to give him credit. You know, people don't like Seacrosses going in the box, but that's how North End want to play. They want to pack the middle of the pitch and then transition from there. So, you know, fair enough, I think. Yeah, 24 crosses for us yesterday. So there's a definite... And it used to be this way with Alex Neil that it, it let teams cross the ball because your defence goes so narrow. You're back for... It's like, well, break us down then. You know, and if you can win a header in... in you know the tw- sort of around the penalty spot area. Do you've done well, especially when you've got Hunt's is high, Davis is good in the air, Fisher's decent, Hughes is obviously. We've talked about his aerial capabilities before on here, so 
It's like, well, go on, put a ball in the box. We'll, we'll defend it. And it's a clear tactical ploy. You know, people, especially when we're in grounds, who are like, oh, why are you letting him cross the ball? You know, why, you know, close him down, all this. Well, no, just let him put it in because they've got to beat probably four or five men to actually score a goal. And, yeah. and then when you're heading the ball 10 yards out, it has to be a very good header to go in anyway. Yeah. I think the the one so I know was criticised was, uh, is it Saar at Watford when he crossed the ball and obviously, but he's crossed it on a sixpence, and he really, let's be fair, and it's a, it's a cracking ball in. I think that's yeah. the one, but it's the one that I can remember recently where people got a little bit on the high horse and said, oh, well, we should be closing down. But yeah, we probably should have because there was Barky and DJ there and we were a patched up side that day. But this is a clear tactical play last couple of games, especially where it's like, we'll go and put the ball in the box because we're just going to get rid of it anyway. Yeah, especially when the opposition players who are crossing it are full-backs. You know, you don't really see wingers cross it anymore, do you? They're in the box. You know, everyone was raving about Dabo the other night. I think he completed three crosses. You know? uh, yeah, out of what, 20, 30? So, I think Cyrus Christie had similar similar difficulties yesterday because, you know, it's similar to when Hughes goes forward. You would never really... Um, put your house on Hughes picking someone out in the box would you no not really um, you know teams lack quality in, in fullback areas and when you've got players like Matty Cash who can cross from deep they get snapped up um, you know Rico Henry will be the next one so I think that's quite sensible from North End I think you know when you've got Hunts in there probably playing to his strengths playing deep rather than you know playing high up the pitch and sweeping balls in behind so you know Alex Neal has adapted um, very unfortunate to lose yesterday, but you know we're still are, are we twelfth now? Exactly halfway through the season, twelfth in the league. You know that'll do for me, Alex. What yeah, was your from the other week? We're not, we're not, we're not getting relegated with Alex in charge, or something near enough to that effect. Oh, we are. We're not going to. We've got like thirty-two points, so things out at sixty-four. If if we match it. Last season, that would have got us 10th. I think everyone would have so, taken that at the start of the season, wouldn't they? Yeah. But it would have, have been two less points. We got 66 last year. So, I'm not being funny. I, don't, I think we'll probably do, and I'll touch what here, I think we'll do better in the second half of the season than we did in the first, based on our home form capitulation at the start of the season. Yeah. Um, so, and by does, the way, you don't you don't need 50 points to stay up in the Championship really anymore. It's a bit of a myth. You need like 45 around. Yeah. So. You know, we need four or five wins to stay up. Yeah, I think you needed 46 last year, but previous year to that was 40. Yeah. I'm not sure when the last time it was more than 50. But, you know, five points off the playoffs. We're doing just fine, aren't we? Heading into uh, a January window as well. If we can if we can get the recruitment right, then who knows? Um, there's been a bit of talk recently about Darnell Fisher, and I've seen something on the forum uh, thread about him I've seen a few of the bits on sort of Twitter and Facebook in terms of I wouldn't want to say myself his attitude because I don't know him and I can't can't say his attitude but what are your stances on him with him in terms of his, his antics if you will and, and what he does on the pitch in the way that some people perceive him to sort of flop to the ground yeah. and, and throw the, himself about and all that sort of stuff I know we touched the, on it briefly before but yeah for, for me you know I think when people have got an agenda they'll 
try and fit it into their narrative. So yesterday fits right into people who don't like Fisher's narrative because he's gone down for a file and he's not won it. But most people idolise Joe Garner for about five years and he's probably the second biggest cheat in the league behind Darnell Fisher. So For doing the exact same thing. Yeah. Obviously, when you're a striker, you're not really... If it goes wrong, you're not in as much danger as what Fisher is. But I don't mind it for me. I think we're a better team with Fisher in in the team than, than not in the team. Um, you know, he's been fit for the last five or six games, whatever. He's played every game, I think, that he's been available for. We've had a good run of form in that time. Um, so, you know, it doesn't really bother me. It doesn't bother me at all, to be honest. Jim? I like Darnell. Um, you know, I've heard good things about him in terms of what he's like as a person. Um, I, I don't believe that he's a bad apple or anything like that in the dressing room or anything, or anything like that around the club. I don't think, believe that's his personality. Yes, he will try and win things that he probably shouldn't. And obviously the managers come out yesterday and said pretty much that as well. Um, and, you know, he's a little bit of play acting. He's probably going to catch up with him sooner or later with a lot of refs um, picks up a lot of bookings that he shouldn't pick up um, if you picked him up for fouls then I'd probably be a little bit more lenient with that but when it's for dissent or for being a bit of a dick then you can't really legislate for that it's um, a little bit daft but for me definitely the best right back at the club um, well, it's a, a no-brainer that isn't it really well but, but you know, the manager's come out before and said about Alan Brown could be a great right-back, and I think he could be, you know, if he does stay. Um, you know, and if Dano was to leave, then I'd probably predict that Alan Brown would probably fill that gap longer term. Um, can you get better in? Probably, well, I don't know. I don't know what's out there, to be honest, in terms of right-backs that would be better than Darnell Fish in terms of attacking capabilities, because we're better going forward when we've got Darnell in the team. You know, he's quite happy to play through lines, his, his passing ability and I suppose weight of pass is good. Yeah. Everyone's going to come back to the fact that he can be just a bit of a dick and I think what he's, how he's a bit of a dick on the pitch, he's probably not what he's like off it um, because end of the day he's going to be fired up, you know, when he's playing a game of football. Joe Garner was the same, you know, Garner's would wind people up for fun. Um, yeah. I think Lady said it on that podcast recently. I was just going to say, about, yeah, we've, We've all heard from different people, haven't we? How off the pitch, Garns is a lovely fella, but as soon as he crosses that white line, he's a massive CU next Tuesday. Well, exactly, yeah. Um, so, yeah. The it's thing like... is, as well, about our fullbacks, our fullbacks are box to box players. They are box to box. You know, we don't really have box to box central midfielders, we've got box to box fullbacks. Yeah. There's massive, there's massive demands on the fullbacks. Um, Darnell Fisher's so good at that. Um, his athletic capability, similar to Josh Earl, I think he's very good at getting box to box. Um, I don't think we can take it for granted. Obviously, the contract situations, I think it will get resolved. I think I the world. Just, looks... I was just going to ask that. Do you think his antics, if you will, are the reason why he's not been offered a deal? Or not sure. Not sure. Alex Neal picks him every time he's available. Really. Yeah. Um, he'll no doubt want him to stay. I think North End will look for a right back in January because Joe Rafferty ain't good enough. Um, and Alan Brown, you know, I was one of the first ones saying Alan Brown's going to be a good right back. People didn't want to hear it, but I think he'd be very good there, me, full time, Alan Brown, if he grew into the role. 
he's got a physical ability all day long. I, think, I remember um, you saying centre mids and right backs even before Jimmy came on the pod. They, yeah. they were they were some of the most interchangeable positions on a football pitch. Yeah, they are. I think positions now are more a data point than anything. Just so you can put eleven players on a pitch before the game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because Darnell Fisher plays wider than Tom Barkaysen. If Tom Barkaysen plays right wing, so um, yeah, the petulance. I don't know. It, it just doesn't bother me. Probably because I'd be the same if I was on pitch. Because <laughs> I'm a massive dickhead. Why does that not surprise me? <laughs> uh, I think there's some people that will enjoy hearing that. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think unless you two have got anything else you want to say about Forest, then we can we can call that a brew break, fellas. No, I think we've just played we've played worse this season and won games. Yeah, and we will we will in the second half of the season. So it's just one of them we draw a line under it, you move on. But you know, we yeah. we nicked we nicked two points last week. We've probably dropped a point yesterday. So because that's if we if we come out of the draw, it's only a point, you know. So look it is what yeah. it is. Yeah. Cool. All right. I'll see you in part two, boys. The From the Finney podcast is brought to you in partnership with our title sponsor, Lanks Live. Lanks Live is the most popular news source in the county and is run entirely by a local team who all care dearly about the areas in which they live. On to matters football, specifically Preston North End, and George Hodgson is their man at Deepdale. He's a North End fan and he asks the questions that the fans want answered. The best thing about Lanks Live is that the news is all free to read and the best way to keep on top of it all is by downloading the app or signing up to the newsletter. Head on over to lanks.live and sign up today. To stay up to date with all the latest news coming from Deepdale, follow their dedicated Twitter account, at PNE Live. And now, back to the podcast. Welcome back to part two of the From the Finney podcast. In this part, we're going to discuss the link to Chet Evans and we'll finish off by looking ahead to the Wickham Wanderers game. First of all, I just want to start by saying that should we sign Chet Evans and you would rather put your money into something other than North End, then I would recommend that people look up a local Lancashire-based charity called Trust House Lancashire. Um, You can visit their website, which is just trusthouselanks.org. They're a local charity and they provide specialist counselling and support for the victims of sexual assault, sexual abuse, sexual violence, both male and female. And as it gets said quite a lot, if you want to talk, there are plenty of places out there that will listen and provide support. So I think we've said it all before. Just know that you're not alone in any situation. Um, If anyone's in the dark regarding Ched's sort of past, if you will, then... I'd recommend checking out an article on The Independent from October 2016. It was shared on our Twitter uh, earlier today, today being Sunday. I'll reshare it again during the week. Uh, but if you want to Google it, it's titled Justice Should Never Be Done Like It Was in the Ched Evans Rape Trial. So, yeah, that just goes into a bit more detail about the facts and um, things that came out in the retrial. Um, from any kind of point of view that you look at it, I just don't understand why the club would want to make this signing. I mean, one look at North End social media over the last 24 to 48 hours and the overwhelming majority of fans, at least from what I can see, um, are against it. It's as simple as that. I mean, we we even ran a poll 
earlier today and granted our audience isn't all of Preston North End fan base, but 89% of the people that voted in the poll said that they wouldn't support a loan or permanent signing of Chad Evans. Um, in terms of why it's a backward signing from a footballing point of view, I don't think I could have two better people to discuss that. Thanks, mate. Um, yeah, I just, I just don't see the benefit that it brings to the football club. Um, people talk about it being a cheap signing um, or the cheap option, but I think the manager has expressed his frustration previously about wanting the quality brought into the squad. Um, you know, this isn't a numbers game. Now, you know, whether we bring players in permanently or on loan, these are going to add to our 25-man squad and they've got to bring something different to the club and I don't see this signing if it does go through doing that. You know, and I'm looking at it from a football perspective first and foremost because, you know, signing a League One striker who hasn't played in the Championship or he's played nine games in the Championship, sorry, in the past 10 years and didn't score a goal. I just don't see that from a footballer's perspective to improve our squad. Um, we've all been critics of Jaden, and yeah, you know, Chad Evans might be a little bit more mobile than him, but we can't have both these players on our books. Um, you know, the, the, the salary that Chad Evans is on, um, you know, I did a bit of quick maths before with you boys and we're looking probably around 100, 120 grand in terms of it. And that's if we just cover his salary for the rest of the season. You know, that's not peanuts. That's not, you know, that's not a small amount towards a football club. It's not a cheap you know, option, is it? It's definitely not a cheap option, you know, and I just don't agree with with that sort of sentiment that it's the cheap option. There's got to be better out there for us and you can't, keep we can't keep bringing in players that are average quality you know we, the manager's screaming out you know crying out for help in terms of improving the quality of his squad this doesn't do it this just yeah. isn't that quality option for me I know um, me and Jaden have had our differences but fucking hell I did not think it would end this way um, I'll be totally honest I think he's probably a better option than Jaden Stockley but I would have Jaden Stockley every day of the week ahead of Chad Evans um, like Jimmy's just said, it's not a cheap option. It's just a cheaper option than you know going buying someone young. Buy a twenty-two-year-old. Not don't loan a thirty-two-year-old for six months with all the baggage. You know you can say rightly or wrongly, people can be pissed off. It's going to alienate loads of people signing Chad Evans. Yeah. You know, is he going to start ahead of Emil and Sean Maguire? He's literally probably going to be coming in as sort of a third-choice striker. If you want short-term quality, go and get Keenan Davis on loan or Michael Oberfemi on loan, Ellis Sims on loan from Everton. Go and get an exciting young player who's going to add something different. I'm not sure what the basis of signing Chad Evans is. like. What, what have we seen? If we're recruiting a striker, if we're taking six months looking at strikers, what have we seen from Chad Evans that's going to improve us massively? Because Alex Neal has said time and time again, he doesn't want another body. He wants people going to improve the first 11. I'd stick with Emil, me. I'd work with Emil. He's 22. He's got all the qualities. You know, Maguire's coming for the last few games. But if you're going to loan in Chad Evans, you're going to, you know, hold Emil back. Yeah. Um, oh, it's, it's not just worth it to me. That, that no matter how you look at it, it doesn't make sense. 
And can we just say now, if we sign Chet Evans five points off the playoffs, we can wave goodbye to the absolute bullshit line that the club peddled time and again. There is no Premier League ambition in signing Chet Evans, who's, I think he scored five goals in 18 games this season at League One level. He's being bombed out by Joey Barton. From a League He's One not wanted. club as well. Is not wanted at League One. Would another championship club touch him with a barge pole? No, it's a resounding no as well. It's so it's frustrating for me. I think that's the only way I can describe it. I'm just really frustrated by, you know, the whole link with him. I mean, you look at the goals he has scored this season. I think he scored eight in in all competitions, but two of them against Fleet, against Wigan in the in the League Cup. You know, two of them are in the same game in a defeat to Charlton. You know, two were off the bench against um, Gillingham and Bristol Rovers, you know, in resounding victories. You know, but then he's drawn blanks in a lot of games when he's played 90 minutes. Played, went to Northampton at the start of December. He got beat 1 0. He played the full 90. Played Lashes on, at, at home. Got beat 1 0. Played the full 90. You know, it, it's just like he's not actually scored in his last six appearances for them. You know, went so I, I just don't get what it brings to us. You know, he, he's not offering assists for them. He's, he's got three assists all season, and I just think it's a very poor sign. It's a poorly judged signing as well. You know, you only have to look at the correspondence to Peter today, and you know, the, all the reaction on social media to realise that fans are really not happy with this. And I think it's a really bad idea. And whether from a footballing perspective, more than anything, you know, how can Alex Neil be happy with this as a signing? He won't be, be- because it's not it's not the proven quality that he wants. It's not going to improve our starting eleven, because that's what we need as a football club. If you've got premier ambitions or whatever you want to call it, this doesn't improve the football team. And you know, that's not, I'm not even going to get started on the off the field situation because. To be honest, there's people out there that a have a much strong... than all three of us. Absolutely, and I completely empathise with those people, and I can and, and I do agree with what they're saying. And you know, I'm just not I'm not comfortable in how I would phrase my opinion on it personally because I'll say something that will get taken out of out of context, and you know, people will slate me for it. But the one thing I will say is that. I completely get where people are coming from in terms of the off the field sentiments of what they're saying. Um, and there's been some great posts out there on Twitter, Facebook, on Peeling Online as well, in terms of where people's emotions are at with this sort of signing. And I just think if anyone from the club is listening, please take that into account before you make this signing because you're going to alienate so many fans from our football club at a time when people can't actually step foot in Deepdale and can't actually have their opinion heard within people the football already ground. People feel alienated. Well, exactly. But the people, it just it just pushes people that little bit further away. And, you know, these are supporters, not just customers. You know, you, you've got... It's so key we get these next this next month right because, you know, when fo- football fans do return, you know, even whether it's later on this season or next season, because fans are going to come back eventually, you know... Let's not alienate a fan base, please, because yeah. that is just not what we want to do. Our average yeah. attendance is low enough. You don't want that dropping, say, another 2,000, which I think this signing has the potential to do. 
I think it'll I think it'll just add to the feeling, won't it? It'll yeah. exacerbate it'll exacerbate people's frustrations. And you know, when the when the club are pulling stunts like this and we're sitting twelfth in the league, Alex Neal is not the problem. Let's make that very clear. For like I just don't want Chad Evans anywhere near the football club that I put my sport into. People can make their own minds up. I would just urge anyone to please read the um, the articles that you can read out there. Yeah. Give yourself give yourself five minutes and make your own mind up. You know, on, on the footballing stuff, he's not he's not you know he's not a long term improvement. He's not a short term improvement. He's just you know, I think not he's, an improvement. I think he's I think he is better than Stockley, but that's not a reason to sign him because I think there's dozens and dozens and dozens of players better than Jaden Stockley. Um, you know, so I don't know what he, what what is the ultimate motive for the club signing Chad Evans? You know, it's it's got to come down to it being a cheaper option for me. It's he's fallen out with Joey Barton. It's presented himself on loan. You have to pay a transfer fee. You don't have you don't have a long term commitment. It's just got to be a, a a monetary option for me. And then and then you're looking at the manager. He's not mm. banging on Peter Risdale's door saying sign Chad Evans. Not a chance. Not a chance. He doesn't want he wants quality. He's going to improve us. And that just does not improve us. You know, we've we've heard some names, some in the public, some not, of players who would improve us. And if the club do move down that line, you know, this month, then it'd be very positive. But don't sign Chad Evans. It's as simple as that, really, I think. Um, and yeah. you know, pe- pe- people have said that we all agree with each other on the podcast, but I think you'll find it very hard pressed to find anyone who, you know, would strongly ad- who would strongly advocate the signing of Chet Evans. Yeah, no matter how you look at it. Um, yeah, so just a final reminder again that should the club obviously sign Chet and, and you would rather put your money elsewhere than. Trust House Lancashire is worth checking out. Uh, their website is trusthouselanks.org and you can make a donation and support the great work that they're doing. Um, yeah, Wickham Wanderers preview, fellas. FA Cup weekend. I'm giving myself the weekend off. I hope Alex nearly is too. <laughs> uh, and how many of the first team squad? All of them? Send the youth team for me. 100% send the whole youth team. I don't know if they've got a game this weekend, but sack off that game. Send them down to Wickham. Yeah, um, I completely agree with that. Um, it's an unwelcome distraction for me this season. I'm, I'm a big lover of the FA Cup, but just not this season. You've got to look at our fixture schedule. Yeah, the fixture schedule. We're already cramming in 46 games into about eight weeks less than we probably should, should be doing our normal season. For me, we don't need the FA Cup and I'm pretty sure that it'll be exactly the same for Wickham because they're you know bottom of the league they don't need an extra couple of games that they'll they unless they and I can see them playing reserves as well they don't have a youth set up at Wickham so they're not um, they're not in a position where we've got the ability to put kids down there you know they've got i think it's an under 23s rather than under 18s but even then it's not an in-depth you know 23s setup so 
I think Ainsworth kitted up for him not so long back as well, you know, in terms of the 23s. <laughs> That's how lacking they are in numbers. Barry Richardson, when he was goalkeeper coach, did the same. You know, I think he was 40-something at the time. So I think they just have it to keep people fit more than anything. But yeah, I would be quite happy to see the likes of Hudson get a game, you know, get Jordan Story a game. Even give Tom Bayless another start, you know, so he gets a bit of momentum under his belt. Um, yeah. You know, try and you know give O'Reilly an opportunity. Baxter, Walker is he, is he far off? I, I don't know if he's fit because of his shoulder. I know he was going to see a specialist, wasn't he? Um, wasn't the talk of Carlisle trying to get him back on loan this window? Yeah, they really rate him. Um, Jack Armour's doing great up there, by the way. The lad yeah. that we like go to left back. He's um, he man a match again yesterday and another win for Carlisle. So top good of the to league, see aren't they? Yeah, top of the league. Good to see Jack putting you know development steps in in place because he's a he's a good player. To be fair to him, I think he started last probably four or five games for them now. So you know I'm chuffed a bit for him because he's he's a North End fan through and through as well. So you know no one's more happy than us as fans to see him putting the right steps in his development long term in the game so that's great to see but yeah just play the kids you know if we get through we get through but let's be honest it's we, we don't need it this season at this moment in time unfortunately because you know the likelihood is if, if we're being brutally honest we're probably going to have a couple of games called off sooner or later because of COVID you know so they'll get added back into the schedule later on in the campaign so you know you only have to look through the league now you know Rotherham have got three games in uh, Rotherham have three games in Andover us. You know, Millwall have got two. There'll be a lot of clubs coming up in the next month or so that will get games called off. And I think we you know, whether we have a COVID case at the club or whether it's we're impacted by another club getting games called off because, you know, obviously there's always two parties affected. Um it's it's round the corner, I think, until this vaccine gets rolled out nationally and hopefully then everything sort of gets put to bed and we can see this sorry situation be put behind us but um, yeah that's what I'd do personally I'd just play the kids I'd play Emil and Tom Bayliss like you said um, I think you'll see the same countrywide next weekend be shocked be shocked if there's not 8, 9, 10 changes you know every team next weekend because the players are playing too much too regular Um you know whether we see whether we've seen the last of some some of the big four, who knows? Hopefully, I think North End will have two or three players in by the next league game, which I believe is Bristol City. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, hopefully get a bit of movement this week. Yeah. So, the youth team actually play on. The youth team are playing Wednesday night in the FA Youth Cup at Deepdale. So that's been switched to North End because it's been postponed twice at Lincoln. So I don't know if they might. You, you, we might even know on Wednesday night if you, if there's some of their usual names that are missing. Mm. Then that would probably give the sort of indication that they might be travelling down for Saturday's game. I think is it is it Coulson the left back? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, obviously there's Aaron Bennett, the lad who plays as a sort of a ten or wide right. Um, obviously Holland Wilkinson, who's been on the bench. A few times, he's going to be a decent prospect as well. So on the bench again, um, today, it, wasn't he? Yeah, is it Rodwell Grant as well? There's quite a few apparently decent players in the youth team at the minute. So I think we'll probably see on Wednesday with the lineup to see if anyone might be involved for, for Saturday. Yeah, 
Yeah, uh, just last one then. Just on, obviously, Ollie, you just mentioned um, playing Emil, and he's he's obviously been in and out the side a bit recently. Uh, Andy Morley on Twitter has asked, why are we seeing so little of Emil mm-hmm. Reese at the moment? Does Alex not trust him yet? Is he giving him time to adjust to the championship or something else? Yeah, probably. He's, you know, he's, he's, I think he's my age, isn't he? He's 22. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just come from abroad, and he? Still settling in. Loads of games, very little time on the training ground. So I think he's managing him quite sensibly. I would have personally liked him to start a couple more games. Um, you know, but yeah, I think I think Maguire's been in good form as well. Um, so I think it's just a case of adapting, isn't it? Yeah, I would say it is. Um, right, predictions then. Wickham, what are you saying? 1-0 Wickham. Me? I'm genuinely not asked. <laughs> I'm uh, not either. No, I'm not either, but it's how we end. You just could have put me down as NA, not uh, asked. I'll put, put you down <laughs> as NA. Um, yeah, I'll say 1 1. Does it, it, has, then, to, isn't it? Yeah, has to be finished on the day, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, extra time and pens. Just something we don't need. Just, you know, if it's if it's nil nil at 94th minute, kick the ball in your own net. Just, just bin it off. We don't need it. Honestly, I I love the FA Cup, but we just don't need it this season. No, it's like you said before, it's an unwelcome distraction, isn't it? We'll get pelters for that one. Probably. We can do, but... Oh, well. Yeah. It doesn't bother me because at the end of the day, we don't need it. Just look at it from a league mm. perspective. Players are on if, their arse already. They don't need extra games. I think I said to you two couple of weeks ago, I just bin it off me this season, the yeah. FA Cup. I'm not asked about it, but... It's one of is, it this, is it this week every club gets tested in the EFL? Twice a week. Yeah, this week, I think it's... Yeah. They've yeah. still not decided how they're funding that, the, the, the long-term aspects. I know the FA are doing this week for the FA Cup, but, you know, football's on its ass, you know, financially and obviously with COVID. We just don't... We don't need the distraction this year, you know, and it's, it's great for clubs like Marine and... You know, clubs that have pulled the plums high, like, you know, I think they've pulled Spurs at home. Surely. Surely Derby. Yeah, after beating Wigan. And fair play to them, you know, it's a decent game for them, but there's no fans in the ground. You know, it's going to have a completely different feel to it because when you've got, I don't know, 1,500 mad scousers, if it's Marine, against Spurs, you know, giving Gareth Bale stick every time he gets the ball, it's got a proper FA Cup feel to it rather than, you know, just yeah. you know, one man and his dog standing in his garage roof. You know what I mean? Because that's what it is at Marine. It's a tight little ground, backing onto ours and stuff. It's just it's just kind of a completely different feel to it than the what the FA Cup should actually feel like. Yeah. Well, I think on that note, we'll uh, we'll wrap it up. Cheers, fellas. Thank you very much. That's all. Nice one, man. Thank you, listener, for listening to episode twenty-seven of the From the Thinny podcast. Hi, I'm Reece, and this is our song Wise Man. <laughs>